Hey everyone, I'm Mitch. And I'm Melody. Welcome to Artistic Beginnings, a podcast where we speak with creatives to learn about their artistic beginning and get their advice on how to pursue an artistic and fulfilling life. In times like these, in the midst of coronavirus COVID-19, we find that it is important to keep our spirits up and still pursue our artistic adventures. We recorded this conversation with Teague before the virus took hold, but still wanted to share her incredible story of the path that led her to comedy and to writing scripts for television. We're going to continue to produce these shows as the pandemic continues and we're planning new episodes to help get everyone a little creative as we continue down this path so keep up with us on social media to see more details on that and without further ado let's get into our conversation with teague dooley panko yeah so i originally from chicago suburbs of chicago and i went i danced competitively my whole life and then i went to the university of missouri because i wanted to become a news reporter I thought. And so I went there and I uh, was on the dance team while I was there too. So I continued to dance, but I focused on journalism when I was there. And then ultimately I was a reporter there in Columbia, Missouri for a little bit. Lots of stories about cows. Yeah. I, I really loved local news, but I, you know, I always wanted to add a little bit more drama to the scripts, you know, and you can't do that in news. So I decided I wanted to move to LA because I wanted to write for TV. So then I moved to LA and my first job out here was as a Laker girl. And I did that for four seasons. It was the greatest. And then now I am doing stand-up comedy and doing a little bit of entertainment reporting on the side because that's where my expertise was from school. And I'm pitching a show right now and hopefully that all moves forward, but that stuff, it takes so long. So amazing. That's that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. That's awesome. Have you always uh danced from a young age? Like that seems to be like kind of a through line for you. Yes. Yeah. I grew up dancing and that's always been a stable thing. That's always been something that I've always done. I've always been on a team. I've always been with a group of girls that were, you know, we were always competing. And that was been the best blessing in my life. Those are my like best friends forever. So that always kept me pretty focused because it's a hard sport, but it's all, it's, it's great. It's all about teamwork. And so, yeah, I, I've always danced. With your dancing, you were saying that competition is kind of the, the core for how you were describing kind of the value you got from it and the teamwork that you got. Is that the main reason why you dance or are there other kind of factors in play? Yeah, I think for me, truly, even aside from competition, I love performing, but I think the coolest thing to me always about being a part of a dance team was the team aspect. I love working with people. I love collaborative stuff. That's why the arts are so great because you get a chance to collaborate in every sense, no matter you know where you are on the totem pole, which I really appreciate. I think the team thing is why I continue to do dance teams. But I also, I do love performing. I love dancing, but I think what kept me in it for as long as I was in it and continue to be in it is because of the girls and the friendships and the relationships you build with each other. It's like making your own family and having that community is, you know, really wonderful. Yeah, it was invaluable when I moved to LA because I didn't know anybody. Right. So I, you know, was staying on a friend's couch and trying out for this team and I didn't have any friends out here. Um, so it was great to like be able to learn LA, but also have like new friends right away built in was like the greatest blessing. So I appreciate that way that happened. What was it like moving 
to LA because it's got to be so scary going without knowing anyone there, you know, just kind of following a dream. What was that like? You know, I think it it was scary. You know, I think every time someone moves or moves somewhere else, I, I think there's a definitely another element, which I'm sure you guys can talk about too. Like LA is just like another type of town, you know, it's just, it's, you don't feel like you ever stop, you know, competing and, and trying to be better and be seen and be noticed. And that kind of stuff is like hard, but I do think finding people that are your like real people is really helpful. Yeah. And honestly, truly, I was also, you know, I had left a really bad relationship. (laughs) This is getting so dramatic, but I go for it. I was in a weird dramatic relationship in Missouri and I was really just ready to get out. I, I knew that I needed to like refresh my space. And so I think LA was like the perfect opportunity to be able to like have a town that was my own. It felt like, you know, a new chapter to me. And so that was really great for me to have when I, you know, that's why I think I knew I wanted to be here and and I always wanted to try it. So I figured it was the time. So yeah. Was your move sudden or like spur of the moment? It wasn't super sudden. So here's what had happened. I tried out for Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders after school and I you know, dumbly thought that I might make it, you know, like everybody, you know, hopes you would, <laughs> you would think like, yeah, you think, but it's also like, you know, it's like one of the number one, it's the number one out of all teams, certainly in the country. So I didn't make it. I made it to the like last round before, you Absolutely. know, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, like, totally. For as competitive as it is, you know? Yeah, of course. But you know, they, you know, their thing was like, oh, we have enough, we have too many blondes Like, come back next year. Mm. And I, I was like really upset about it. Like I, I really was really upset about the whole thing. And I, cause I thought it would happen because I've never been not taken out of it. You know, a dance team, that's like what I know. Like, of course I could dance, you know? So right. anyways, it was really hard on me. And so I, I wanted to prove it to myself and to, I think also that bad relationship I mentioned, I wanted to move to LA and say, oh, actually I'm fine. I made another team and I'm okay. You know? And I think that that's why the move to LA and trying out for Lakers was really important for me. So when you first moved out, was that the first thing that you were going for? Were you already starting to work towards like your comedy path or anything else? Or was it strictly just the Lakers? Yeah, you know what? Honestly, it was the first. So I moved out here and I was staying on a girl from my hometown's couch. And I tried, I was trying out for Lakers and it's like a two week process, mm. two, two or two to three week process. And so that was, yeah, that was the first thing I did. That was the first job I had. And then I really just like committed myself to that for the next few seasons. I always, I was writing and doing freelance journalism stuff on the side, but I really wanted to commit myself to Lakers because I knew it was a once in a lifetime thing. So yeah, that was, that was the first thing I did out here. And then the comedy and stuff came a little bit later, but more recently, but yeah, Mm -hmm. that's my story. I, I also saw when uh, I was I, I looked you up before <laughs> uh, the it. interview and everything. Just uh, you know, did Got yeah it. full research. Research is a way better way of saying uh, stalked yeah, the internet. I looked you um, up. <laughs> I, I looked you up. <laughs> Definitely not the creepy side, but Mm-mm. so you, uh, in your resume and your about you section, mm-hmm. there's also uh, you having worked on like a, a panel or or been a host for kind of dance situations. Like, so you think you can dance and those kind of things. Is that yeah. something that was kind of a, a direct relation to you uh, with the Lakers? Can you talk a little bit about kind of how those experiences came to be? Yeah, I guess. I don't know when I joined. I joined after Buzz. After Buzz is great. 
if anybody is interested in hosting and stuff like that, After Buzz is great to get involved there. But they, it's Maria Menounos's network, and she has a bunch of after mm. shows. And um, I guess I somehow applied. I must have known somebody there or something. And then I started doing the panels for their dance shows, which was really fun because mm. obviously that's what I know. And so, yeah, yeah, that was a that was a lot of fun to talk about. And I still kind of do that, but yeah, those gigs were found through AfterBuzz. Is that is that right? Yeah. So it's their it's their own network, and they put on the after shows. I guess they just select the panel. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. so how did you uh, find out about AfterBuzz? I found out about AfterBuzz because a lot of people from University of Missouri who did journalism and end up out here end up doing entertainment news. And so I had kind of been following some of the people who I knew from school and they, some of them were involved with AfterBuzz and I kind of asked them a few questions and then I must have sent my resume to somebody there and then that's how that one happened. So yeah. How did the transition go from doing, being on the panels for their dance competitions and stuff? How was that transition from that into kind of what you do more now, which is more interviews and red carpet stuff? What was that transition like? Or did you start with that first or kind of at the same time? A little bit at the same time. I I, okay. I was definitely doing panels before I was doing like red carpet interviews. But I also, mm-hmm. you know, I went to, I was a reporter in Missouri. So, so doing like right. face-to-face interviews have, has been something that I have been fairly comfortable with. It's a little bit more intimidating right, yeah. interviewing a celebrity, you know, rather than a dairy oh my farmer. God, of course. Yeah. <laughs> dairy farmers are like a little bit easier to talk to and a little bit less scary, but yeah, certainly like the same things apply when you're interviewing those type of people. So that, that yeah, that's kind of something I've always done, but I guess the red carpets probably came a little bit after the panels. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when you started doing the kind of after buzz uh, red carpet kind of events, were there uh-huh. any things that you you knew you had the skills that were required to do it? What are some of the things that you think are necessary to be successful at that kind of stuff? I truly think it's just like doing it. I think if it's something you you know you might want to do or you might want to try, I think you try to get in whatever way you can. There's so many digital outlets right now. You kind of do research on which one you might fit into. If it's After Buzz, that's great. If there's one called Fab TV that I've worked for, worked with. There's a 360 Views is who I, another one I work with. There's a bunch of different outlets, it, it, you know, and then you could work your way. If entertainment news is what you want to do, I'd say, jump in any way you can in any outlet doesn't matter what's on your mic flag and then build your stuff and and understand the dynamics of a red carpet a junket those press opportunities I think understanding that and if you really want to do it then using that knowledge and that resume that you've built to apply for like variety or e or et if if that's something you want to do. Yeah. So this may not be your trajectory anymore, but like, is that typically a trajectory that people start? Like that's a stepping stone for other jobs that people are looking for in that field? Or is that kind of the end all? Like this is exactly what people are wanting to do or do they have other kind of aspirations when they're pursuing AfterBuzz or or FabTV or those other locations you were talking about? You know, it just depends. I've had friends who are writers at AfterBuzz who now I have a friend, Nick Perdue, great guy, funny, funny guy, who is now on the writing staff of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I also have a lot of friends at AfterBuzz who are now at ET. You know, everybody kind of ends up somewhere different. I have a friend at E. She's got a job at E. And so, yeah, it definitely is a good stepping stone. It certainly helps you learn about the industry, learn how things work. And I think that's invaluable once you 
you know, continue to meet people as you go along and, and experience different things. There's so many different outlets in this business, especially when it comes to reporting, that it's 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 cool to see that there are so many different directions, you know, one stepping stone can take you. For sure. It's definitely changed, though, a lot. Like, the, the entertainment news stuff has changed a lot. I would even say, like, five to ten years because mm-hmm. – you know, the internet. It, yeah, the internet. Like Kylie yeah. Jenner is not going to tell you she's pregnant on a red carpet. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to like yeah. bamboozle somebody into giving you an answer. They're going to do it on Twitter. Like they don't. They are not <laughs> going to. Yeah. So like, really, all you have to do, all you have to ask is like, so where did you get your shoes? You know, it's like right. You, yeah. you obviously can't do that. You have to get more creative. But it feels like that sometimes because you feel very constrained. And sometimes PR and publicists, which will was always a thing, but. You know, they'll right. be like, hey, you but can't now, ask about so that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. But still, it's still a very cool, fulfilling, awesome job if, if entertainment news is what you love. Yeah. So, quick question on that then. Is yeah. It, is it scripted questions that you have or are they just off the cuff? These are things that you personally know about the person or, or you've done your research ahead of time and, and you kind of an, have an idea. Usually, I try to prepare. I'm like a real, I really love being prepared. It's my favorite thing. And so I love having note cards. I'm a big note card gal. However, I will say most of my best interviews are like very off the cuff, which is like makes sense because I guess you're, it's less you're less worried about getting certain getting certain questions out. But my best interviews are when I run into somebody and I wasn't expecting to interview them. And then it's a little bit more organic anyways. And then it's, you know, I feel like those interviews actually usually go better anyways, but also the prepared ones are good too, because everybody on a carpet is going to be asking the same stuff, you know? Yeah. Why is this the best time for this movie? Why is it, you know, so you kind of have to like think outside the box a little bit if you can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tough question incoming then. Do you have a favorite interview that you've had? And do you remember kind of how that went? You know what? I have a few that I like, but I would say... I recently interviewed Kristen Stewart and I will say Mm. before she came down the carpet, everybody was like, all the other outlets were like, whoa, she's not going to talk to us. She doesn't talk to press. She doesn't do that. She's like very reserved and like doesn't want to talk to anybody. So I was already very nervous because her PR person was like, she'll do like one because usually you have to like beg to like ask a question. So I was like, hey, can I just do one question? And she was like, yeah, sure. So I ended up getting her and she was like lovely and perfect and wonderful and, and like great answers and like really took her time. So that was probably one of my favorite interviews just because I was so surprised that it went well because I was prepared mm. for – I was ready to fail. I was like, well, I don't <laughs> think this is going to go well. Probably not going to post this anywhere because she, you know, was not going to want to do this. But she did. She was great. She was awesome. So that, that's probably one of my favorites. Also, I, you know, I forget – how big she is. I've gotten like so many, so many people hit me up like, oh my God, Kristen, oh my God. I'm like, oh, I forgot. Yeah. Kristen is kind of a big deal in her yeah. own way. She's cool. I liked her. That's probably that's my awesome. favorite. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. It's really interesting, like thinking about the different personas that people have on red carpets and, you know, their, how their reputation can sometimes precede them a little bit and right. kind of what that's like in dealing with their interview personality versus who they truly might be. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. Sorry, just to keep on down this path a little bit yeah, longer. Yeah, of course. Has, has there been an interview that you've just been completely caught off guard, whether it's the kind of response that you get back from the, the person or it's just the way that the the conversation goes is just surprising. You know, sometimes you're very prepared and sometimes 
you get really nervous. I remember being, I interviewed Chuck Lorre, you know, creator of Big Bang Theory, Two mm-hmm. and a Half Men. Yeah. Two and a Half Men, right? Yeah. He, he's yes. done yeah, everything. Yeah. You know, he's, he's like done a god. so much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why, but because I want to write, I want to be a writer, I was so nervous to talk to him. Mm. And I remember just like shaking and it wasn't a bad interview, but I just asked really dumb questions. And I hate when I look back and I'm like, God, that was such a missed opportunity for, cause I had great questions prepared. And I think I asked something like, so, you know, what's your favorite part of the show? Like something stupid. And I'm like, mm. oh, like just cause <laughs> I got nervous and I like freaked out. And so, yeah, there's a few, I've, I've had a few of those certainly. How do you recover from that? Because I do the same thing. Like I, I interview people all day long and I always mm-hmm. listen back to those sessions and I'm like, oh, well, I forgot to ask that question. I really need to get that answer. Like, mm-hmm. do you in the moment, are you just learning from those experiences? Or do you have a way to recover from that kind of experience partway through an interview? Partway through? Yeah. Like if you retroactively think back to it and you're like, oh, darn, I, I should have asked that question or something. Yeah. You know what? To, to be honest, these red carpet interviews are like very quick. And like, I think like mm. people like Chuck Lorre only answer one question because they've got, everybody wants to talk to him and they're like really busy and they probably don't really want to do this. So I, like stuff like that <laughs> is like, if you mess it up, you're like, oh, well, okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Can't wait to see what you do next. Like that's what you say. But, and then you, you know, you try to take that and learn from it. And and eventually like, you know, you get comfortable on these carpets and you start to see the same people, whether it's the same PR people or if it's even the same talent I've seen, you know, I've interviewed a lot of the the same people more than once. And so then it becomes like, okay, you're not a weird outsider. Cause I think there's an element of feeling like a weird outsider when you are a red carpet, you know, cause you're, you're roped off. You're not on the carpet with them. You're like mm. right. roped off in a different section. So you just feel kind of a little weird, you know, but it's very cool to talk to them and you just have to like get over that. I think <laughs> a little bit in the beginning. You, when you watch like the Oscars, it's, you don't really get to see all of the behind the scenes or, you know, the chaos of it all because there's so many people and like you said they everybody wants to interview them so you only get a few seconds and really making those few seconds count can be super stressful (laughs) right yeah exactly yeah Yeah. and there's always like the risk of like the talent looking at you like oh did you seriously just ask that dumb question you know (laughs) so yeah that's always scary but (laughs) yeah but it's also nice when you kind of get to interview the same people because then Mm -hmm. you kind of can have a rapport with them and right be like, what's up? <laughs> what's up? Good to see you. Yeah. yeah that's exactly. why my, yeah. my favorite award show of the year is the WGA's, the Writers Guild Awards. Mm. It's very fun. And I see the same writers almost every year. And uh, yeah, it's great. And they're, the writers are so cool because they no one ever is like, hey, can I talk to you? So it's cool. Right, so they yeah. want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like so excited to talk about stuff. So yeah. That's a good one. You said that you're pursuing writing still and you've got yeah. something in the the pipeline. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I can't talk a ton about it, but it's um, – Right. I, sure. yeah. <laughs> but it, Whatever but, you can tell us. <laughs> totally. Yes, yes. It's a 30-minute workplace comedy and it is – Love it already. Yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> I'm not even really sure how much I can say, but it is – it's cool. I'm developing it and I'm learning a lot along the way because it's – this stuff, like, you know, as, as you know, it, it takes forever to get these things mm-hmm. made. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, having a lot of lunches with people and asking a lot of questions. Cause this stuff is like, you know, nobody knows what they're doing the first time that they do it. So right. I think it's important to like ask questions and, and try to figure it out. 
from people who have done it. So are you doing this all by yourself? Like, is it just you or do you have a writing partner? What was the writing process of this? <laughs> um, it's all me, which is like wow. not. Uh, yeah, which like is really <laughs> taking on a lot. Like I, yeah. I would have I always loved the idea of having a writing partner. And I do have a friend that I do some kind of writing stuff we might start pitching soon. But Mm-hmm. But overall, I, I think because the stories I'm telling are so personal and so like n- a little bit niche, it's a, it would be a little bit difficult right. to like add somebody in unless it's, you know, somebody who's really good with like structure or who has done something similar. I think that would be really helpful, which I'm kind of working on getting somebody attached right now for awesome. that reason. So yeah, it's it's been just me for the most part, which is like, ugh. That's a I, lot. I wish for it, yeah, one person. Like, yeah, a little bit. It's a, but it's a process. It's yeah, uh, yeah. Certainly, but I've I've taken a lot of classes. There's a ton of great writing TV writing classes out here. I've been at UCLA for like a year, and there's a few. Di- Script Anatomy is amazing. There's a few different uh, schools that are awesome for preparing you to either get closer to a writer's room or start pitching your own scripts. So. That's been nice. When did you start writing on this project that you're working on now? I guess I probably started writing it like almost a year ago. And like, I probably liked my first version the most because it was like the most like authentic to me. But you get people, you start getting people involved. You start getting like producers or, or like, you know, people who are interested in like helping you make it. And then you like start changing it or even like classes, you know, I, I've, you know, talked right. about it in classes and then, and then I've changed it so much. So it changes a lot. I think it's always getting better, but yeah, I've probably been working on it for a year, but it's mm-hmm. changed a lot since the first version. It's it's changed quite a bit. Was this something that was always kind of floating around in your mind or, you know, what was kind of the inspiration for it? What kind of made you write a workplace 30 minute comedy? <laughs> I think it's always something I wanted to do. I just never thought I never had the confidence that I could do it. I've always loved writing. Journalism was great and learning how to mm-hmm. write news and scripts and stuff. And so I just, I didn't, think I could do it. And then I, I must've taken a writing class. And then I was like, wait a second, if I just learn, like, it's very, it's hard, but it's also like somewhat formulaic in the way that like, once you learn structure and once you learn, like, you know, really stories beginning, middle, end. So once you learn that and like plots and stuff, (laughs) once you learn everything, then you're like, right. oh, okay, maybe I can try <laughs> oh, yeah, it. I can do yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think like what, it was just like getting the confidence to like think that I could actually do it and then just doing it. Is this your first one that you've written? I've written a lot of really bad stuff that like literally probably makes no sense and only my mom has read. So I have a few scripts that like are in my drawer that like maybe if I needed to at one point like refine them and like use them for something I would I could do that probably couldn't do that but yeah so this wasn't my first script but it was uh the one that I like feel is like the best calling card for me to try and start getting some sort of attention in the writing world so yeah I feel like those first takes that that only your mom uh, reads or or only a few people ever kind of see the light of day um, yeah those are incredibly important right oh so important yeah what yeah. were some of the things that you learned the most from writing those pieces that probably led to you uh, getting to the the script that you're working on now i think the biggest thing is like you i you, I, you gotta know structure and i still am not a master of structure at all but i read some of those old things or like even thinking about them right now i'm like oof i didn't even know you know, you just like you, you just think that people are following along with you and you're like introducing like 75 characters and like, you no one's going to read that. No one understands what you're talking about or where you are. Just make it concise. I think 
the biggest thing about writing for me too, that I have to learn is like, just keep it simple. Cause it, it doesn't have to be that crazy. Like the biggest thing is like, you know, characters and compelling story. But as far as cramming things into descriptions, it's not totally necessary till. And also, you know, like once, hopefully once I get this attached with someone officially, they're going to change it a bunch of times too. And then the network hopefully changes it, you know, like if, if it moves forward, you know, this is like very right. early stages. So I'm being very hopeful here, but it will always change. As and you stuff should like, be. You know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. So it ch- this stuff changes a lot, but to have like, just keeping it simple, I think is like the, it was an important lesson for me. Depending on how much you can share with us. Yeah. Was there a particular moment or something about the script that you have now that just was kind of like, ah, this is it. I need to take this to the next step that the other projects I haven't taken. Yeah. Everything else I was writing before was very like me, like speculating about someone else's life or like the way someone else would do something. And this is like very me and very personal. And like, you know, even like in some of the early versions, I was like writing like it wasn't me. And then I think like a light bulb went off halfway through, you know, all this whole process. And I was like, wait a second. It's so much more interesting if it's just genuinely me. Like, I don't have to make stuff up. It's This isn't like something I have to like make up. This this happened. Like, no, they just talk about what really happened. It's interesting. And, you know, it's not. And nobody lives the same life. So I think just like pulling on the stuff that you know for yourself will hopefully be interesting to other people. Well, yeah, especially you know your story the best. So you yeah, should tell right. it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. We typically have kind of some closing questions for all okay. of our guests that we that cool. we like asking. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm down to just jump into those. Sweet. So to start us off, uh first question, what is the hardest thing about pursuing the arts or a career within the arts? The hardest thing is to not compare yourself to other people who are doing things differently or on a different uh page than you. I think because I, I always get really overwhelmed and like really stressed out when I see people who are 10 steps ahead or what appear to be 10 steps ahead of me. So that's, I think the biggest thing is just to try and focus on yourself and not compare yourself to other people. Do you have any tactics? If you ever catch yourself thinking about comparing yourself to others, do you have ways that you can bring yourself back to that, that mind state of being just kind of aware of what you're doing? I am just like weird thing. I like delete Instagram a lot, but like, I, I always Here like, for it. It's oh, so gosh. toxic. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's so fun and funny and creative in so many ways, but it's also so, you know, it's everybody's highlight reel. And I even feel yeah. guilty of it. Like, I feel like I look at my page and I'm like, God, I look like I'm doing like, people are like, Oh, you look like you're do- like doing so well. I'm like, well, I, that's really nice. But you know, I don't, yeah. I don't feel like that all the time. So yeah, no one posts their bad days. They only post their best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think, um, that I, that's like one way that I try to, I just try to not like look or listen to, cause you know, it's always different behind closed doors anyways. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm. I think that's one way I try to deal with it. <laughs> Who have you learned the most from? I think I might've learned the most from, I had, I've, I had really great coaches for Lakers and Laker girls and I learned a lot from them. They're, they're really great role models and women who have been in the industry a long time and in sports and entertainment. And I learned a lot about, you know, discipline and time and being accountable and being a better teammate. So I think 
I learned a lot from them. Nice. Uh, kind of on the same path a little bit. What resource have you learned the most from? I love, love being in classes. So I'm always mm. taking classes. So that's like my, my, my biggest thing. I, I take writing classes. I take stand-up classes. I take, I do all the stuff. Cause I just like, I think I like having feedback. And so I think the most helpful thing for me is classes. Is there a particular class that you found the most value from? I love script anatomy. I would tell everybody who's interested in writing for TV or movies to go to script anatomy. I, I really liked them a lot. They're just like really good at breaking down structure and, and, and like they have a lot of like sheets that they make you fill out like, like before you get to your script. And so I think those are really mm. helpful. It's like questions you don't think you should be answering or you don't realize you should be answering. And then they make you like really dive into those. So I think, yeah, that's a class I would recommend. So in terms of your inspiration, are there any quotes or sayings or pieces of wisdom that you've gained over the years that have been particularly inspirational for you? I don't know who said this. I'm not really not sure it's a quote, but I always like thinking of just the words fail first. Because I just feel like we don't, we are really, I'm always afraid to fail. And I think it's really important to fail because you're not going to get, stuff doesn't happen the first time you do it. So I think it's really important to fail first. And so that's, yeah, that's something I think I would say motivates me. I think it's very important. <laughs> yeah, it's important. You don't, you don't get anywhere <laughs> if you don't fail a little bit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. What is your favorite piece of art right now? I'm really loving all the Netflix documentaries. I'm not sure if this is an answer, but I think Netflix is doing really awesome documentaries right now. So that's, totally. I've been really loving those. Aaron Hernandez one, Aaron Hernandez documentary was insane. Oh, I have that saved on my list. I'm very oh, excited to oh watch my gosh. it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And Cheer was ugh, obviously oh, insane. Oh, I'm happy Cheer. Oh, oh my God. Jerry. <laughs> oh, Jerry. We all need a Jerry in our life. That, so true. Oh my God, that show is incredible. And American Factory was great. So yeah, so I think that they're doing really cool stuff in the documentary, which everybody is, but I think it's cool when people start stepping it up because then everybody gets to step it up and, and take right. documentaries to the next level. So yeah, I think those have been nice. inspiring me lately. Yeah. What keeps you up at night? Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, a lot. <laughs> I, I have a, I do have a hard time sleeping because I just, I feel like my, I am like very, very nervous that like, I think my biggest fear is like not living up to your potential, you know, or like not, it's something, you know, you're not, you don't, you get close and you don't do it, I think is like a really big fear for me. So I think I'm always just like, oh, I got to do that thing tomorrow. Like I got to, I, I, I have a really hard time going to sleep because I feel like I, I continually want to work on things and move things forward when like sometimes I think you just need to breathe and like sleep. But yeah, so I have a little bit of anxiety going to sleep. So mm. that's a lot of things keep me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> This is not good, but yeah, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram. Oh yeah. Ugh, yeah. Ban Instagram. I'm bad at that. Yeah. I've put That's like tough. time limits on my things now. Cause I just need to shut it off. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? It's crazy that they've done this to us. I'm like, a, I'm like addicted to this technology. I know it's crazy when you put the time limits on it because like, yeah, if you have, you know, your downtime or whatever. Um, but when you put the time limits on it to set, like I have mine all set to like, you get an hour on each app and that's all you get which is still like a lot of time for each respective app 
But when you get your time stamp of like, you have five minutes left, you're like, oh my God, I have been on this app for 45 minutes. Are you serious? Like really? Because you just, <laughs> you scroll crazy. and scroll and scroll and you don't keep track of time. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. It's like, what are we looking for? You know, like we're like I, constantly yes. like scrolling. I'm like, what am I <laughs> yeah. seeking right now? I yeah. don't need, what, yeah, why it's am weird. I, why am I doing this? Yeah. No, it's Yeah, it's, it's really weird. So <laughs> this is our last question. <laughs> To a person who might be interested in pursuing the arts while still working a nine-to-five job, what advice would you give them? I still haven't had a nine-to-five, because, but I kind of want one for a little bit of structure. But I haven't had a nine-to-five yet because I've always done – I did Lakers, and that allowed me to do freelance journalism stuff. And now I'm mm-hmm. doing freelance journalism stuff, which is allowing me to do the TV stuff on the side. So I have not had a nine-to-five yet, so I don't really have advice. But I would say – obviously like, you know, structure your time and, and, you know, I'm getting into the stand up stuff. I've been kind of doing the stand up stuff for a while. And so right. that's like a lot of those people, everybody has a nine to five or most people when they start. So I, I think it's just like after work, I'm going to go to two open mics or whatever, you know, or, or how many open mics you can do the week of, or, you know, so yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not the, I, I wish I, I kind of wish I had a nine to five, but I don't really have advice for the nine to five. It's weird. Cause you know, I live kind of the same life as you where it's, we're freelance all the time. So it's kind of like, I don't know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. It's, when you have to make your own schedule, it's pretty hard when you have to be like, no, I am going to do this thing today and this thing today. And I'm not going to sit on Instagram or whatever. But when you have totally. a nine to five, which Mitch can attest to, cause he has one. Ah, uh, you got one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sick with it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's it's a little easier to have that structure in your life for sure. For sure. Wait, so what are you – are you doing – are you – do you have a 9 to 5? You don't have a 9 to 5. You're – I don't year. know. I I babysit as my side gig. <laughs> oh, so, so, I <laughs> mean, so everybody's yeah. yeah, everybody's got. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a little awesome. side hustle. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I'm a trainer as well too. Yeah, no, I I'm a, a researcher at Ticketmaster. Oh, cool. That's cool. That's a fun job. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm I love it. Yeah, no, I think the the advice that you gave about the structure about time, structuring your time, and having that be uh, like kind of an adamant piece of advice for people is is really solid because even with a nine to five job like i have to find the the way to you know structure my time there and then outside of it doing all of this stuff with the podcast and all of my other like extracurricular activities i i want to be able to do uh <laughs> yeah, so right. it's, it's really been a, a huge impact being able to take control of that and be able to maintain the nine to five which i i want to keep and i love doing that work and then also have the time outside of it to pursue these kinds of things so i think it was re- even though you haven't had the nine to five experience <laughs> you've given good advice for those people uh as Good, good. Me being one of them. A plus. So, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Perfect. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. You can find out more about our guest on her Instagram at TeagDP and her website www.teagdp.com. Teague's information and more details about the interview can also be found on our website www.artisticpodcast.com. If you like the conversation, let us know by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people like you find the show and gives us a chance to know who's listening. For updates on new episodes and content, you can follow us at The Artistic Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you again for listening have a happy and safe april fool's day we'll catch you next week see ya